Welcome to Best Me Radio. I'm your host, Carl Hammington, and I talk to experts in many areas, including movement, psychology, nutrition, as well as other inspiring people have done extraordinary things, all in an attempt to provide you with the information, inspiration, and tools that will empower you to step into the best version of yourself. Welcome to episode 9 of Best Me Radio, and today we're going to be talking with the natural skin guru, Nadine Artemis. But before we go there, I just want to suggest a few things. Obviously, it's winter time here in New Zealand where a lot of people are getting sick. So just a few notes on what to do and what not to do. So a couple of things you really want to do is manage your autonomic nervous system. So that's managing your stress levels there. So if you go back to episode one, uh, you'll realize how important this is for health and longevity. So you can practice some of those breathing techniques, practice some of those de-stressing techniques that Grant teaches us in that episode. Things you want to get into your nutrition some good immune boosting foods like bone broth i've been using the dehydrated turmeric one from uh, richnutrients.co.nz look after your microbiome which is all of your your bugs some good fermented foods so i've been really getting into the the sauerkraut kombucha kimchi kefir things like that a lot of that you can rich nutrients also you want to get in some good healthy fats so i often get that just through some good grass-fed organic meats and I've been trying to get a lot of offal in my diet. And if you listen to the last episode, you'll realize that an organic grass-fed liver is a real superfood. And actually packs a lot of vitamin C, more than most, um, even berries, and definitely a lot more than oranges. So go and check that out if you can handle the taste. I love the taste personally, but I know it's not for everyone. Cod liver oil is a great source of vitamin D at this, year, this time of the year. And unfortunately in New Zealand, because of our position on the planet, we don't actually get a lot of vitamin D at the best of times, so dietary sources are key. Um, butter obviously is another good source if you can handle dairy as well. Um, some things you really want to avoid dietary-wise and are really immune-suppressing, and sugar is one, so just five grams of sugar can uh, have a, it can almost half your immune system function so it has a huge effect on lowering your immune system which you obviously don't want to do anytime but especially at this time of the year um, other sort of irritants so if you've got any allergies um, or food sensitivities it's worth uh, avoiding them obviously as well so things like um, grains can be immune suppressing as well and alcohol obviously uh, recreational drugs too <laughs> Um, so in terms of movement, move right for you. Really important uh, time of the year to get the right dose and the right type of movement. So if you're a little bit immune suppressed, you feel like you're, you're just bordering on the edge there, um, don't push hard unless you really want to get sick. <laughs> so uh, I like the way Paul Check puts this and he says there's working in and there's working out. So if you're feeling a bit immune suppressed, perfect time to be working in, which is energy giving movements, things like Tai Chi, yoga, some gentle mobilization work, um, or even some, some mindful walks, etc. Gentle resistance training can also be immune boosting. Uh, high intensity cardio and uh, circuit work is probably the worst thing you can do, so avoid that. So at HealthFit, um, a little update there, we have a, have a HealthFit Perform page. Um, so go along and check out healthfit.co.nz. You can subscribe for free, and we have free educational videos and workout tips from myself and the other superstars from the team at HealthFit. And the most recent one is on pelvic floor function. So if that interests you, go and check it out. We've also got some on animal movements and, and all sorts, actually. So today's episode 
basically you can use as a guide to having your best skin. Um, and we cover how to reinvent and reform your skin routine and how to best how to get the best of it. And we go beyond uh, skin treatment itself. So uh, we look a little bit at food, stress, the microbiome, which has popped up so many times, and once again it popped up again. And then we go over Nadine's three-step process. Obviously, we talk a little bit about what products to avoid, what chemicals are catastrophic to your health, health and definitely to your skin, and then what things are essential to get in there as well. Some fascinating little bits of information she shared with me there, um, and I've learned a lot from this one already. I share a little bit about my skin journey for last year, uh, my first sort of skin issue since I've been you know, a teenager, and it's quite irritating, and it's quite, uh, it makes you quite self-conscious, which probably makes it worse, actually. But since following this protocol, uh, my skin has really improved. And after, after listening to Nadine again, I have actually tweaked a few things and it's accelerated it further. So she's got a special offer for us as listeners. If you go to livinglibations.com, uh, she has given us generously a 5% discount code for all of you listening. So all you have to do is enter in BESTME5, all in caps at the end. Enjoy guys and take notes. Nadine is an uh, as a beauty philosopher, aromacologist, botanical muse, and the creator of Living Libations, an amazing range of serums, elixirs, and essential oils that nurture beauty, enhance the immune, and promote healthy oral care. Nadine is also the author of Holistic Dental Care, the complete guide to health, healthy teeth and gums. Nadine opened North America's first full-concept aromatherapy, aromatherapy store, Osmosis, in 1994. Since that day, Nadine has since received glowing reviews for her formulations in the Hollywood Reporter, Flair, the New York Times, Vogue, and the National Post. Nadine also regularly appears on radio, podcasts, TV, and live talks. And she has a new book coming out called Renegade Beauty, so stay posted for that. Welcome to the show, Nadine, and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for inviting me. Very excited to have you here, and I've got so much that I'd love to dive into uh, with you. But first up, um, a lot of people understand your product, but not a lot about your story or what goes behind it. And since listening to some of your podcasts and interviews, um, I really realize how much effort you put into these. So could you please share your story with, with our community and let them know how you got to where you are today? Sure. Sometimes I don't know at what point to enter into my life or my life story. Um, but I did, I had a, you know, blessed childhood and I felt like it was just steeped in nature. You know, we had a little cottage by the lake and forests and all of my grandparents lived in the, in like out in the country with forests and lakes. So that was beautiful. And then as, uh, you know, as you get into your teens, uh, life shifts a bit and, you know, it was in the 80s, which was like sort of this peak of consumer culture. <laughs> yeah. There was no, you know, at that point, from what I was aware, there wasn't a lot of discussion about, um, you know, not consuming. It was just like this full zenith. Yeah. And so, and I had a, an older sister and, of course, a mother. And, um, you know, I would get all their hand-me-downs of all their bottles of everything and, you know, if we would travel, you know, travel to Europe and I used to collect all the perfumes in the micro bottles and I would like even mix those. I just wanted to mix them. And even as a little girl, I would open up my mom's bathroom cabinets and pour things together. And so there was this real <laughs> desire to mix and make things. And um, I would even 
sort of melt down like lip bombs and then add like white eyeshadow and I was trying to create like you know more of like a 1960s lip color and so I always had this play with all that stuff and then in grade nine um, I was I had to do a science fair project and so I was at the library looking for inspiration and I found this book on making cosmetics and it was Mm. geared to kids more I just can't remember the name but it was something pretty basic like how to make cosmetics and there was a whole chapter on perfume and I was really I just really like I mean I had bottles and probably like a hundred <laughs> bottles of perfume. So I was yeah. like, oh great. And it was so exciting to read like the history of perfume, because that was not around. And we again, mm. like, you know, if we have so much information these days and it just was very different back then. Yeah, I'll be interested uh, to really look into that actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so to connect that it was like actually something that came from plants and to learn about the history of perfumery in ancient Egypt. I found completely fascinating as also my great grandfather um, was the president of the London Egyptology society. So he was that, and he would also go on archeological digs with Howard Carter, who later um, discovered Tutankhamun's tomb, that whole thing. (laughs) And so he was the illustrator. Yeah. He would like paint. Right, because this is the 1800s. Yeah. So he would. So I had paintings uh, in our home of like the Temple of Luxor and this beautiful one of Isis, and oh, wow. um, so yeah, I found that really fascinating. And um, it said that the that the perfumes were made from you know, and that would be what it would be similar to today is the is essential oils because a lot of the oils from Egypt were steam distilled, that kind of thing. Mm. So it said you could probably find essential oils at the health food store. Um, so of course there wasn't a lot of health food stores back then either. So we (laughs) went to the big city to Toronto and found essential oils at a health food store. And that was like my first whiffs of, you know, neroli and orange and Mm -hmm. ylang. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't quite get the full division between naturals and synthetics at that stage, but it definitely like a whole light, like olfactory light bulb went off in my Uh, head and I, (laughs) <laughs> and I, for the project, I recreated Lair de Temps, Nina Ricci's Lair de Temps with, um, with essential oils. And, and that was just really fascinating for me. So, you know, and then life's progressing. And um, then uh, the body shop was invented or whatever. Or <laughs> I, I discovered, I guess it was out probably for a few years before that. But it was like, oh, neat. Yeah. There's a whole, I get it, like something's more natural. <laughs> but, but then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the time I was 18, I so I was at university then and studying. And what was great is that I lived on this. I, I decided to live like off campus and in this little cottage, in, like at the back of a in somebody's backyard was like a little cottage that I lived in. And um, on that same street, like a residential street, there was this um, health food store. And it was like a barely transformed house. And it was called Grains and Beans and Things. <laughs> And I would go by every day after school and then a whole like new era in eating and health. And I bought every book there and pretty much every bean in the store. And I was totally <laughs> transforming the way I would eat. Yeah. And um, and then I, you know, I got this book on like, like I got so many books because I was basically fully, I was like, oh, like I got books on from naturopaths and I learned all these other ways to heal the body. And again, this was like, really niche back in those days you know it was like 
very rare, rare. And then there was one about, um, like, it was Nikki and David Goldbeck's guide to, like, the shopping um, supermarket or something like that. And it would go, it went through food labels in great detail. Oh, terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> That was so fascinating, you know, and then the, the products you thought were healthy, kind of yeah. like, like all brand or something, and yep. just reading all the false fibers and wood pulp. Uh, yeah. So I love that. And then that really, it was like a whole, about a month process, which wasn't very long, but that tra- then I was like, oh my God, like the body care, the skincare. And then I realized that, you know, the cucumber face toner had never even <laughs> seen a cucumber <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so, you know, so by 18, I was, it was great because I got all this out of my system. I purged this whole like petroleum promised land of, pro, of like empty products really that w- had really no basis in like natural reality. Mm. And so I, I started making all my own food and I started making all my own skincare. Wow. And I was completely obsessed as I was studying to, I was obsessed with my personal studies of like essential oils and, um, you know, where they came from, how I could find them. I had to write letters, like what crazy content <laughs> yeah, around the world, but it was cool because through university, oh, so I was really good. getting a grip out of research and that kind of yeah, stuff as well. Yeah. And, um, then I was getting in samples of essential oils that were blowing my mind that were so even if it was the same like way different quality than what was in a health food store Mm. and also oils that I'd never heard of along with ancient oils that I had to smell so I would you know I had like every aromatherapy book back then and there wasn't a ton and um and then I would read about Angelica and Immortal and I had to smell them but they weren't you couldn't find them at a health food store so um then I started importing essential oils to make all my stuff with. And I was just, you know, making lip balms and waitress legs and body oils and perfumes. And I was selling them to, you know, friends and family. And I started my first business then. Nice work. Young entre- was, entrepreneur. <laughs> I was Artemis Essentials. And then I was yeah. so eager to get out of school because yeah. I, I totally knew what I wanted to do. And I wanted to create a place where all these things could be could be bought. And so I, um, when I was 22, I opened up North America's first full concept aromatherapy store that was called Osmosis. Yep. And, uh, we had a beautiful blending bar where we would custom make perfumes on the spot. We would sell Mm. essential oils by the drop. Oh, and you know what? (laughs) That year when I was 18 and I was making all my own stuff, I went to Australia and, Mm. um, yeah, this is my best friend from like grade 10 till basically just before I left for university because she went back to Australia. So my best yeah. friend was from Australia. Oh, wow. And if you're out there, Kelly Rowe, hi. <laughs> Quick shout out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went to Australia that Christmas and for a month to visit Kelly. And it was it was neat because in the markets there, like the farmers markets, I guess. Yep, yep. That's what we call um, it. <laughs> yeah, and there was like a lot of. It seemed like there was a lot more like natural body care products, or from yeah. where I, I wasn't yeah. seeing them in Ontario, Canada, and that was also really inspiring. Yeah. And 
you know, that's when I found like a different tea tree distiller back then too, who did yeah. like bush stilling. It wasn't yeah. this overproduced uh, industrialized sort of production of tea tree oil. So actually my trip to Australia further enhanced, um, you know, oh. what I was doing. So that was really neat too. Did, did, and, you, did, um, you, did you jump across yeah. the ditch to uh, New Zealand as well? No, no, it was just, yeah, yeah it, was Next just, time. it was one, one <laughs> month and, oh, I'd love to go, but we'll take my, our son one day, so yeah. that'll be fun. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so that, you know, and then the, the store was was awesome, and that was like a whole bunch of great experience, and then um, I did have a, a business partner at the time, and she wanted to go separate ways, so we, you know, it was sort of a, a moment to try and decide what to do with the store, but um you know, we each went our separate ways. And then I just sort of took a year, a year off because I, I had been really quite a run since yeah. I was 18. And then, um, so I just pretended I was retired for a year and I, yeah. you know, yeah. had a lot of like <laughs> philosophy and Ruby. And then I had like a special project that I was doing like one of a kind solid perfumes in vintage oh. compacts. Okay. And those called moisture and oyster. And that was the, what was featured in the Hollywood reporter. So they were just wow. one of a kind. Wow. It was really fun. Yeah, and then Will you I revive that one day, do you think? <laughs> I, I, actually, I, I'm looking for, well, a, like a different form of the compact now. So um, oh. maybe it'll take about a year, but we're having somebody make wood compacts mm. so we can just sort of do it on a different scale. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be fun. And then, um, you know, I just had a handful of clients because I really was just like taking a moment to chill. Yeah. And then I met Ron, who was my partner, husband, father of my child. Mm. Um, and he, and he, he, there was so much alchemy in our union and he was just so eager to be like, Oh, let's <laughs> do things. Let's feed people. Let's, you know, cause, uh, we also make this chocolate and stuff, but he like, we made so many different, uh, so many blends and different yeah. things came out of union. Oh. And so we, that was the next phase. And that was when we started living libations. Wow. And here we are today. Wow, what a story! I heard your uh, your chocolate is to die for. <laughs> it's to live for. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> nice, nice. Thank you for that correction. <laughs> um, there's so many things I want to talk about with that, but um, yeah, I mean, if you look at the olfactory system, you know, t- to start, you know, our, our smell. I, I heard. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one of the only systems that she bypasses our our. Um, filtering system, our articulate activating system in our brain. Yeah, the blood-brain barrier. Yeah, yeah, and it has a direct influence on our, you know, our state. So Yeah, it, it directly the molecules, like even if you cannot smell and perceive yeah. the aroma, the molecules literally inhaled by the nose um, reach the hypothalamus and, and then incredible. that releases you know, different neurotransmitters and then the essential oils travel through the body, you know, yep. to be emptied out by the yep. liver a few hours later. Yep. So, and then on the skin, they're also really great because they're lipophilic. So they can go into the fat and work, work <laughs> awesome. on deep la- la- layers of the lipids. Yeah. There we go. A couple of gold nuggets already. I can't wait to talk. Yeah. To- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if anyone listening has dived into the whole world of essential oils, but oh my God, it's incredible. I, I, we've got a, a great little um, organic shop up the road called Common Sense Organics and it's got uh, yeah hundreds of different essential oils. <laughs> I can get caught Sweet. in that world and I go through and I, I sniff them and oh, it's amazing. I go, oh, that one sort of smells like one of these colognes I used to use when I was younger and it starts to make nice. you wonder, why, why are we pouring this 
you know this artificial crap on our <laughs> on our skin when we don't need to. Um, well, so it is crazy. Scent. Yeah. Well, like, you know that. Oh, that when I was also like really massively in my studies of skincare and stuff. What I really was fond of. What I was trying to get every book I could. So um, I was getting old, like older European books, because also there's a longer history of aromatherapy there. So like books oh. by Jean Valnet and Henry Vivant or v- Viaud. I can't remember his spelling, yeah. <laughs> but what was also uh, fascinating. I was able to get. Um, older books from Europe of, um, and they have quite, quite long names. So I could like the, literally the, the t- names of the books are like paragraphs. <laughs> yep. They're like that long. It's like the, and they're all about, um, so it's, it's in the 18th century before synthetics were made. And in the 18th century, they were looking into history from the ancient Romans and Greeks and Egyptians yep. to really gather all the sort of toiletry cosmetic formulas that were in previous so i really love those 18th century books because so much it was yeah and before synthetics yeah came around and so you know that's the issue is synthetics are reliable in a way that nature isn't and cheap so because the difference in like a real rose to synthetic is like about twenty thousand dollars a kilo yeah it's terrifying (laughs) so this 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 leads into my first question quite nicely actually like to me, it seems like we're quite disconnected to, um, you know, our environment, our connection with nature, our connection with ourselves. Um, where do you feel like we're at currently? You know, I feel like, um, you know, we throw these chemicals, colors, artificial scents, um, and God knows what sort of other um, additives all over our body. And that's that's a norm. Like, it seems like a really normal thing to do, and it's accepted. And Actually, in some ways, if you do anything different, like I'm viewed as a bit of a hippie <laughs> amongst my friends, <laughs> yeah. which I don't mind. <laughs> um, but it's to me, when you actually start looking at the science behind some of these chemicals, the real science, it, it terrifies me. Um, how do you feel about where we're at currently as a, as a sort of Western society? And, you know, what's well, these norms are far from the ideal, in my opinion, but how do you feel? And what would you like to comment on them? Well, it is it is mind boggling, truly, the amount of um, chemicals that you know. It's like over eighty thousand chemicals are in existence, and um, I wonder if that even includes like the derivatives of them. But anyway, um, so it, it really is mind boggling. And then we, you know, some kind of momentum was created with these chemicals and their uses. That again, with you know, marketing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm sure not everybody really knew where it was all going, but that idea, I really feel like there's this from the marketing end. And again, if we're looking at the past 50, 60, really, well, for maybe even since the 1930s, I mean, the, the isolated sort of ivory tower of marketing, that's just like, let's sell something. Yeah. And, you know, so we're looking at the insecurities and all like if you look at yeah. the Lysol ads from the 1930s or is it 40s where they're literally uh, ads in magazines that are recommending to douche with Lysol. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and oh, it's, it's horrific. We have, you know, and it, it, we haven't changed really that much. We've just no. 
swapped out the chemicals. And I think once Lysol was bad, then Listerine came in and they're like, hey, we're a lot safer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I really think it's like this air sats. We've got these air sats apparitions of like, you know, labels with lavender fields and and beautiful, glamorous ads with like perfect poreless skin. And then the bottle... It's just selling, you're just selling like full illusory things because the bottle is empty essentially, but it's actually negatively empty because what's in the bottle is really disrupting Yeah. from our endocrine system. Yeah. And you know, we, I think from the nineties, maybe before, but certainly when I was starting to understand it all. We understand, oh, my God, this is an endocrine disruptor and parabens are found in cancerous breast tissue yeah. at 99% of the time. So there's a lot of that information. And, and these, these are fact now, aren't they? You know, they can't be disputed. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure somebody's disputing them somewhere. But... Yeah, true. <laughs> Ulterior motive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think now with – I was just talking to Ron last night and I was like, you know what? I feel like every food now – we know we have explored, uh, you know, the information that's good about it and bad about it from mm. like squash, like, you know, squash. <laughs> oh, it's starchy. It's high in glycine. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like no food has has come without this dichotomy. Mm. It's like, you know, not very relaxing to eat sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, I get so that. We, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Especially um, when so your we, kids are being fed <laughs> by someone else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's why I hardly ever let that happen. Um, <laughs> I was so hardcore about what goes in and on our bodies. Yeah. Um, but so we know, I think we know all that, or at least, you know, a, a lot of us yeah, modern hippies know that. Um, but what we did, what is new and new, but it's kind of still like, I think we're almost looking at about a decade of knowledge here mm. is the microbiome system yes. and then the skin's microbiome. And yeah. then what we're doing to that. Could, could we just, um, totally. Could we just, um, could you give us a little rundown on exactly for our listeners, what the microbiome is exactly? Yes. <laughs> um, so the microbiome, um, is, the bacteria, the billions and billions of bacteria that live in our bodies and that are essential to hmm. functioning, like every system depends on it. Yeah. And in relation to our skin, it's one of our greatest beauty secrets. So the main microbiome areas, the main, main one is the gut. Yeah. And, and there's the skin is the next largest. And then there's, um, you know, then the, I'd say the mouth yeah. is your next Sort of like damp, uh, warm places, really, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Then you got, you know, your arm. Well, this, your whole skin, but yeah. like the bottom of your feet and hands don't yeah. aren't too populated. Uh, your armpits are populated, and for women, the vagina, the yeah, vaginal microbiome is huge. Yeah. And there's, you know, even in the ear canal. So then that relates to like ear infections and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yep. So anytime there's a problem or an imbalance in the body, you really have to trace it back to to how's the microbiome functioning in that yeah. area. Yeah. Great, cool. Um, so I want to touch on something you just mentioned um, before, actually. So you said, uh, you know, what goes on your body. And I, I feel like, you know, the term, you know, you are what you eat it has almost become a household saying. And everyone has that, well, a lot of people have that knowledge available to them, you know, as to, you know, they realize that what they eat literally makes up who they are. Um, take the microbiome out of the picture for a second. Um mm-hmm. But there doesn't seem to be 
no one seems to recognize that your skin eats as well. You know, like when people mm-hmm. think about you are what you eat, they think about what you ingest through your mouth. Um, and I know you, you talk a lot about, you know, nourishing your skin and, and feeding your skin. Um, I don't feel like there's much emphasis on that or there's not as much awareness around that. Um, how do you feel about, you know, nourishing or feeding your skin? Yeah, I think it's a good uh, way to look at it and, all, and that we want to bring that concept into our head more because often there's that thing, especially if people are just thinking about essential oils, which can be edible. Some of them are edible or you yeah. can use them culinary, that kind of thing. Mm. But when you're like, oh, um, frankincense is good for, you know, inflammation. And then they're like, okay, so how many drops do I take and that kind of thing? And it's like, you can, but really you've got to think of your skin as this great transdermal tool to absorb things. And often it's a better way to bring things into the body, but it can also be our kryptonite. And that's Hmm. basically how the general population is treating their, you know, it's like what we're putting on the skin. We're thinking, oh, it's just topical. It's like really surface, which is kind of how we're thinking about beauty too, because it's the focus is so on the external. It's so about the veneer. Um, but if like, that's why we make a vitamin D cream, it's got vitamin D in it because the skin is such a great absorber of that. And then it doesn't have to go through the digestive process. So once you put something in your mouth, you've got, you know, it has to go down the alimentary canal. You've got acids and and the liver and the kidney, all these things are getting involved. Mm. Whereas the skin is just this direct link and it can be the kryptonite depending on what you put on it. It can be a really great health tool. Yeah, And again, the starting of our skin really goes back to birth and, you know, and we're even affected by the antibiotics that our grandmothers um, took. So we, I like to think of it as, um, like it's sort of, uh, so what for our whole microbiome is actually inherited through our maternal microbiome. Mm. So it's the maternal microbiome. Yeah. The birth canal. And that's first if you you want to go through that birth canal because that's your first sort of anointing mm-hmm. of uh, going down the vaginal birth canal of for your microbiome, and then the skin when the baby's just first born, as you know, when it's come, so you have this nine month nap in amniotic fluid, and then you come out covered in this waxy white vernix sheath. Yeah, that's that white goo, and um, that is home to your maternal microbiome. And in today's rush in hospital birth to rinse the baby, the first thing is that sheath is removed. Yeah. In, in chlorinated yeah. tap water. Oh. And this, this probiotic patina is removed. Yeah. And the babies born by cesarean mm. are more vulnerable as ambient bacteria instead of their mothers colonizes their skin. Yeah. So you have like, you know, the 50-year-old doctor's... Yep. microbiome yeah, yeah. Yep. or whatever's in the air <laughs> yeah that's just um, been com- that they've had their microbiome removed with um you know antibacterial soaps and <laughs> so okay, open to pathogenic bacteria and whatnot and they probably soap the vernix off the baby Oof. um and then the whole concept is and they were always like why does breast milk have like these 200 prebiotic oligosaccharides that that um aren't food for the body like why is that in breast milk and so now with the study of the microbiome we realize that our maternal flora which is like i think of it as like our soul starter culture (laughs) (laughs) that gets activated by the 200 prebiotic oligosaccharides which are this kind of like kind of like a sugar and so that um then that makes it all come alive 
And Mm -hmm. so formula feeding, for example, would really, it, 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 besides the crazy ingredients, it lacks the innate matter to nourish and Mm -hmm. activate the microbes. And for many, the missing microbes or a cesarean birth can risk infections of allergies and tons of skin disorders are associated with that as well, like eczema and psoriasis, Mm. that kind of thing. One thing I just want to say too, because sometimes women have to have a cesarean, they are done more than needs to be. Like the cesarean rate should be probably at like about a 2% but it is often at a 50% rate yeah. in industrialized countries. Yeah. So what can ha- what you can do, it's really simple, and this is from Martin, <laughs> Dr. Martin Blazier, is a ga- just a gauze is swab. taken, yep. Yep, vaginal swab, and then mm. you anoint the baby even on the tongue, yep. and that is a good, a pretty good compromise. Yeah, yeah we, did, we actually did that. Uh, uh, my second bubba uh, was born, what, four months ago now, and... Oh. Um, uh, Basically, some birth complications uh, happened, and she she was having to have a, a cesarean. And our backup plan was to have the the vaginal swab. And I think oh, it was good. The, first, the first time the doctor had ever, ever done one. And um, yeah, he was very open to it, which was fantastic. And cool. It was so simple. Like you could is. even do it without them knowing. Yeah. Like if you if you had a you know yeah. A- cranky doctor so how did your uh, doctor or midwife know about that option um oh, because we <laughs> i was <laughs> very <you> persistent <laughs> on it <laughs> so right. we, we we um we were very clear on what we what we what we wanted if it did go down that down that route and we didn't and want the, the soap wash that? afterwards either so there was no, no washing there's a beautiful oh, you know micro uh, sorry vaginal swab and you know she was left to to bathe in her own uh, or the mother's bacteria and nice. yeah it was just i mean it just seems like such a perfect um, concoction or perfect formula, doesn't it? You know, yeah. nature provides this amazing opportunity. And a hundred years from now, we're going to find out even more about the perfect yeah. design of it all. Yeah, and just so people know, like um, with the microbiome, that's been obviously the numbers vary a little bit, but we're the the current general belief is we're outnumbered by about possibly ten to one by bacteria. You know, I that has actually recently been adjusted because okay. I often would say that. Um, and cause I can, that research came from a lot of good top sources, but yep. now the understanding is that we're about 50% cells and 50% bacteria in, in relation incredible? to each other. Yeah. And Still when you look, tons and billions and crazy. Yeah. 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 And, uh, this, I, thought, I just think it's really important to note. So we're basically half bacteria. <laughs> so, yeah. And when you look at the effects of these, you know, this microbiome or this bacteria that it has on our and our whole body, even at a genetic level, it's just it's mind-boggling. Uh, it just it really blows me away. And then, you know, if we go back to our skin and our skincare regimes, and we look at you know pouring these you know endocrine disruptors, which are hormonal disruptors, all over our body, um, as well as our increasingly sanitary world, um, it's actually kind of terrifying. Yeah. yeah, we're apparently missing. So apparently, um, it's thought of that we probably had about twenty four hundred species of bacteria in our gut. So that's the species, not the total amount. Yeah. And we're generally down to about fourteen hundred now. Oh wow! Yeah, and, and it's, it's multi generational, isn't it? You know. Yes. Yeah. And then, and well, and then there's antibiotics, which is oh. like by the time an average two-year-old is two, yeah. um, they've, they've probably had three courses of antibiotics. Wow. An average 10-year-old has had about eight courses. And by the time somebody's 40, they've had close to 20 rounds of antibiotics <sighs> with 
each round either mutating or, you know, eradicating certain mm. species. Yeah. And then there's also the low daily doses that people are getting. So you're like, oh, I don't take antibiotic yeah, prescriptions. Yeah, we water. <laughs> the water, the milk, like, you know, any you know, any kind of store-bought food. Yeah. Even there's uh, inorganic apples in the wax apparently is an, an antibiotic coating. Oh, my God. I know. Wow. <laughs> See? So, <laughs> food. Yeah. Once again, it comes back to, I think, you know, mindful living. Do 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 you actually know where your food comes from, you know? Do you know your farmer? Do you know your, you know, uh, what sort of crops, what environment they, these foods grew in? Um, that's why mm-hmm. I like to take some of those out and, and grow my own food now. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, there's so much gold there. That was that was great. So <laughs> what do people need to know? Like what, what are some of the additives? Or actually, how about we say what is an absolute no or what should we stop instantly? You know, what are the common you know, routines or even products that should be an absolute no-go in your eyes? Well, it's neat that you mentioned stop because I actually have the three things I like people to think about um, for achieving flawless skin besides Photoshop is yeah. um, is to do like to really to maintain your microbiome yeah. and through three steps of stop, seal and seed. Mm. So we want to stop, you know, showering in chlorine. Yeah. Um, you know, so you got to get a water filter and they're really, they can get one for $25. I mean, it's not, you're still hooked up to the tap water yep. situation, yep. but it does clean it out. It does clean yep. out the, yep. the chlorine and like any, any bacterial soap, which has actually been banned by the FDA in the, in the state. So I just think mm, once the really? FDA bans something, yeah, that's huge, wow. especially a product that was, you know, so adored by yeah. hospitals and everybody, but it's actually been banned um or it could and it could just be the ingredient the main ingredient which was triclosan um but funny enough it's still allowed in toothpaste um but anyway because again (laughs) if you're if you use something like antibiotics any any bacterial soap you're actually creating a breeding ground for superbugs because you're killing off your microbiome so that's your defense system gone yeah, and what we're understanding now with the study of the microbiome and with the missing or mutated species is that when other bacteria are missing their ancestral bacterial buddies, so to speak, <laughs> then other other pathogenic bacteria can start to take control. Yeah. And they do that through something called quorum sensing. And yeah. so... Um, this quorum sensing is when the pathogens, which are normally free floating, and again, you're supposed to have about, you know, I think of it like applying the 80-20 rule to our microbiome as well. Yeah. You generally want to have about 80% of uh, beneficial bacteria, and then, you know, you're always going to have some kind of pathogen in your body, but yeah. you should have a balanced system that can then handle it. Yeah. So when we're mutating and making the species disappear, then they can start gaining traction through quorum sensing, which is how the pathogens um, regulate gene expression and communicate to start bonding and um, antibiotics just really help that situation. Mm. And they can't really pierce through a lot of the biofilms that the pathogens are making Mm. anyway. Which is like an invisibility cloak for bugs, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But then they're in their little colony and and having a party. Then the cool, the super, super cool thing about essential oils. And as they have been used for thousands of years 
And they actually, they have antibacterial and antifungal and antiviral properties, anti-inflammatory mm. properties. Really, all of them do. It's just different degrees yeah. or some are working with other species or different types of inflammation. So there is that variety, but they really all have all those properties. Wow. Um, is that the essential oils, because now everybody is looking for alternatives to antibiotics on a serious level because it is serious. Yeah. And that's where I'm loving the study of the microbiome because I am finding, you know, a lot of like, cause they're not just cert when they're studying the microbiome, they're not just searching for more antibiotics cause they're really getting it. They're getting the issues with the food supply. There's like farming, industrial farming in Europe that is, are using essential oils like oregano in like chicken feed because they understand the issue with antibiotics. Mm. So it's being used on industrial scales. So the yeah. um, it, so they're looking for things that inhibit quorum sensing on the planet. Wow! And a really amazing group of quorum sensing, a quorum sensing inhibitors are essential oils. Mm. So now we've got the science to understand why essential oils have been used for, you know, or they're like frankincense essential oil or even just frankincense resin because it, of course, contains the essential oil. Why these things have been used for, you know, centuries um, because, and the cool thing is, is that they're able to uh, eradicate the pathogens or, or shift it. Or, you know, some can really, like, a uh, like cinnamon and clove are really powerful. Oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. some of them you know, can make a dent in them. Some of them can eradicate it, all these different things. But they're able to work. There's, you know, that intelligence that we can't explain, but they're able to clean up the pathogens, but work with the beneficial bacteria without yeah. destroying it. So that, it's like the perfect substance. Fascinating. I think, did I read recently that uh, cloves are the new highest anti, um, so it's one of the highest antioxidant foods, sorry, on the planet. Um, I just read recently. I think it's on the Yeah, um, I mean, definitely be yeah. up there yeah but what i've read as well is um you could probably back me up on this or correct me if i'm wrong but you know a lot of herbs um and spices recently have been shown to to have a positive epigenetic effect so you know that ability yeah. to you know switch on basically in layman's terms switch on uh good genes or good gene expression and switch off yeah. um, poor gene expression am i right there that is correct yeah yep so basically, uh, a lot of good quality herbs, oils, and uh, um, you know, natural products real food. are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the end For of the sure. day, real food, real water. <laughs> In my head, I have to simplify everything. So real food. Oh yeah, is good. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a crazy and concept, then the other, isn't it? <laughs> um, other things to stop would be, um, you know, stop irritating your skin, which is connected to your guts with the gut food that's really yep. irritating, like pro well, processed food, corn, gluten, sugar, soy, canola. Yeah, which all oxidizes and actually there's a, with all those fake oils is a, is a huge issue with hyperpigmentation. Interesting. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. Uh, like people, think it's the sun, but it's not, yeah. it's those oils. So those, those, those things you just mentioned there are literally in about 90% of supermarket products. Am I right? Yeah, totally. And most supermarket food is about 20% um, of those rancid vegetable oils yeah you know the not all polyunsaturated fatty acids are bad but obviously the ones that are bleached and deodorized <laughs> like the benzola canola soy you know fake olive oil and all that kind of stuff oh and um, studies were done on uh, if it's 20 percent in your diet or 20 percent in mice like if they had a diet like that they were developing tumors wow <laughs> yeah and oh other studies have been done just like looking at um you know the age of people and yeah. 
if they ate those oils, um, they did generally look about 20 years older than hmm. they than their natural Interesting. age. Um, I was mm-hmm. just talking to, to you before about how um, about two years ago I started a new company and I, I took on all these extra stressors that I haven't had in my life. Uh, you know, a lot of really good ones, but I just it was quite overwhelming for a while there. And for the first time yeah. since I was a teenager, um, I got a skin, you know, a bit of a skin irritation. Um, and I've sort of just started to resolve that now, actually, and it's taken a lot of persistence. But um, so I've, I've become a lot more sensitive to certain foods. And the other day, um, I had a bit of a reality check. I I went out and uh, got some some nuts actually, just because I felt like I needed my. I had I had some caffeine, and I needed. I'm quite sensitive to that as well. And um, <laughs> I felt like I needed to flatten out a bit, so I got. So I wanted something high fat, and the only thing available was some. Uh, it was actually roasted um, cashew nuts. You know, sometimes ah, cashews. A, oh big instigator of acne and eczema. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and uh, I instantly after eating these cashews, <laughs> my my skin flared up a bit, like almost instantly within about twenty minutes. And I looked yeah. at the ingredients, and it was roasted in canola oil. Um, oh. So yeah, actually, I'll be interested in double whammy. In, yeah. So why cashews? Actually, on that note. I don't know the why, but I definitely like when people, you know, are having things. I'm like, you're eating cashews, yeah. And like, I even notice because I've had big moments of raw food. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I was like, I would eat some, and the next day I have like a zit, which is like so not normal for me. Yeah. And then it would all like just I could see it repeating. Like yeah. it was like yeah, and then the zit comes the next day. So for and I've seen it with people with eczema as well, and. I have since seen it. Like people are getting, I don't know why I'm getting acne. I'm like, are you eating cashews? Yeah. Let me stop. <laughs> okay. So, noted. And maybe it's a legume because it's yeah. actually not a nut. Maybe it's got more uh, sensitivity. There we go. I think, yep. Common I think if they're soaked and, and then dehydrated activated. again, there's yep. going to be a lot less issue. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I, I'm fine with activated nuts, but for some reason the other day, yeah, that might be why actually, but. Um, maybe it's but, but kind of a double whammy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find generally those um, those oils are not not good for me, and you know, I'm, I've become really, I think, more aware actually of how food, you know, how I respond to food as a result of that. And actually, I'm yeah, and it's it. something you, I think, you'll always have to keep in tune yeah. with because then you can get on something that you're just loving, but then yeah. it's yeah. too much after a month. Of yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> you know? That's a, a really good point. Yeah. Um, I just want to tie in um, the, uh, what I was just talking about with the stop. So mm-hmm. um, for me, obviously, the, the extra stressors you know, introduced to my life um, seem to have a big effect on my, my health in general. Um, but it I, I sort of represented itself uh, in skin irritation. So right. how do we go about um, stopping or addressing you know, some of those stressors? Or are there certain things we can do to compensate for that? Um, in terms of skin health? Well, again, we, we, if we look both at the topical and the internal, yeah. so topical too, I mean, so great, you've switched, you're not buying the drugstore stuff anymore, Mm-mm. but then there's a whole <laughs> other realm because, of course, health, healthier, greener brands of beauty are, you know, some of them, well, some of them are owned by the big boys anyway but so but then there's just you know and then some of it's well-meaning but they're just they maybe the knowledge isn't there and the quality is not there but then we we have to not apply um so i talk about also stop applying questionable naturals 
Yeah. So things like, you know, grapeseed, peach kernel, almond oils, they're often refined with solvents. They're always rancid by the time you get it. And they're yeah. just inexpensive choices for cosmetic manufacturers to yep. use. Yep. Then there's things like, yeah, aloe vera is great, but <laughs> it's in a cosmetic, it usually has secondary hidden preservatives of some of things like sodium benzoate and potassium mm. sorbate, yep. which are toxic to our microbiome. But yep. yes, have a plant. Oh, you know, and you can, it, they're so easy. You could, they're so easy to maintain. You only need a little yeah. bit each day. You can open it fresh. Yeah. And then even things like, you know, witch hazel, yep. which I'm sure a hundred years ago it was good, but it is never a single ingredient. It is just mm. harsh alcohols and glycerin. And then glycerin <laughs> uh, is like a humectant, but that actually through a process called osmolarity, it actually, it can creates temporary plumping, Yep. but it, actually causes the cells to shrivel mm, and we need to think about as a lubrication too because it is not good for the inside of our yonis oh, and it's yeah. and it kills sperm motility yeah so you know that sample is conceived and they're using ky jelly oh terrific know? stuff <laughs> the best choice and then things like hyaluronic acid um yeah is not cleanly manufactured at all and probably too molecularly big to be useful for the skin. Yeah. And then things like natural fragrance or even things where it will yeah. say like, like a limoline or geraniol and it'll be like derived from a natural essential oil. Well, it isn't it. What I mean, it could have been, but it's been folded and refractionated and synthetics have been mm. added to it. It is not natural. So you got to clear all of that yeah. out. Yeah. And then, yeah, stress can be a huge issue for skin. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of goes back to the guts yep. and the adrenals. Yep. Yep. For me, so you adrenals. could have other, you know, hormonal imbalances like yep. thyroid or these things, but but it, uh, it often goes back to the mm. adrenals because if they're shooting up cortisol, yep. then they can throw off the cascade of all the other hormones. Yep. But yeah, stress is hard because if you are stressed. Yeah. And then stress is such a huge It's a huge topic in its own, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then it's such a, like, it just seems so, it's like air. It's like, how do you quantify it in a way? It's just so, yeah. right? Yeah, stress. totally. Totally. Um, but, you know, you, I, I, I think, sometimes I think, like, we have to, and, and the whole society is quite adrenal-driven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and even, you know, even our inner dialogue can be quite mm. adrenal driven yeah. and especially in, in realms where you know like our realms and yeah. and and the audience that's listening is we can we can be quite adrenal driven with trying to be a better person trying yeah. to save the planet yeah. trying to self-prove yeah. and then we have that inner dialogue that you know it may seem fine but it's like a harsh inner coach it's, that is adding yeah. stress to the system so i try and think of um you know because i've had stressful moments in my life and i think well how can i um or not even how, because then I find even that question puts pressure on yeah. it out of the present yeah. now. So it would be like, you know, looking at a way to live your days and go through your days without having your adrenals drive yeah. the ship. Perfect. And that's a huge shift to come into like sort of leaning back, thinking of life like a mm. sort of a lounge chair and, and you know, allowing life. Awesome. I like that so much. So, yeah, I mean, uh, to back that up, a lot of the, the stress research now is showing that it's not the stress itself, it's the, you know, your perception of the stress. Um, so it's your your stress experience that seems to be 
um, key. So even becoming aware of how you are, like you said, your internal dialogue, how you are responding to these, you know, these stressors, they might not even be real. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other thing there is I always think, and skincare is one of those things, um, control the controllables. So, you know, if, if I am going through a stressful time, and, and this is the way I broke it down, this is what, how I healed my skin to an extent, is, um, you know, what can, I, what can I change with my diet? Okay, I can get some more, some more real greens and I can hydrate better. I'll, I'll stop the caffeine and the coffee. Um, uh-huh. I'll start using jojoba oil on my skin. Um, mm-hmm. I'll start drinking less uh, um, proce- uh, processed water. Um, I'll try and get to bed a little bit earlier. You know, just try and try and think of some way to to change. Um, you know, to control one of those controllables, and almost mm-hmm. instantly my skin changed um, for the better again, which is great. <laughs> oh, that's good mm. for sure. Okay, so we've got the stop, and how do we start with the the second the second uh, phase was seal the sealing. Yeah, yeah so it it's kind of goes to some of the things you were just mentioning, but you want to, you know, just like we need to heal and seal the guts. If, uh, you know, because if you have leaky guts, if there's a lot of, if there is gut dysbiosis, it's probably going to show up in the skin. Yeah. And some of that can be decades old. So you want to heal and seal the guts, and then you want to think about healing and sealing the skin. So uh, all of our modern skincare routines are really affecting, like literally what's being applied to the skin is mutating the microbiome. Mm -hmm. And really creating a vicious cycle, um, you know, where it's like, cystic acne trying everything trying the -the over-the-counter stuff the harsh alcohols you know it's just like you know i think like lady Macbeth, like out damn spot and we're (laughs) scrubbing and we're exfoliating and we're trying to get to that 10th layer of skin beneath the top layer to like show you know and we we are over exfoliating and we're taking away the protective layer and the chemicals we're using are removing the lipid barrier and the natural sunscreen protection that you know, we've mm. got to keep our top layer of skin intact. Yeah. And most modern skincare things are taking that away. So you want to seal and heal the hydrolipid bar- barrier and recover the integrity of the skin. And that's only going to come from, you know, not using soap at all, um, which Correct. actually I should have said in the stop is not just <laughs> we'll not that antibacterial stop <laughs> soap, but like all, yeah. all soap, like for the, like, this is the face and skin. So yep. you can use natural bar soap, easy to find, yep. um, you know, for pits and bits because those have the <laughs> bits and bits bacteria. Like and again, probably not as much as we're thinking though. Like you don't have to, you could have a shower or bath every day, but you don't have to like soap every single day. Yeah. But the face and like, you know, your arm and your thighs and your stomach, skin, like none of those areas ever need to see soap. Yep. So it's just like nails, hands, pits, and bits. <laughs> and so, like, if you stop using soap on your face, it'll be so, like, and I say the you as in everybody, it's yeah. just going to be, you know, it's just like programming that we need to get rid of. Yeah. So things like jojoba really is amazing. And to that, you could add essential oils and sea buckthorn, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But jojoba helps to settle overactive sebaceous glands. It really matches our our skin sebum. Yeah. And it's actually a, a liquid pl- plant wax. It's not really an oil. And so it helps to unplug pores and it dissolves hardened oxidized sebum. And so what you do is you wash your face with oil 
which mm. sounds strange, especially for people that have like cystic acne for decades. Yeah. yeah. But people, you know, for some people, it takes a few weeks. Some people have to detox, like some people, it brings out a bit of a detox phase. And for some people, it like literally changes their acne situation mm. overnight yeah. and then progressively getting better each day. Yep. Um, so many emails we get every day about, oh my God, it worked. Mm. I was scared. Could, could you talk See, us through that process actually? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so simple. There's a few ways to go about it. You can wash your face and then <laughs> massage in oil and then like, I mean, wash by put water on water. your face. Yep. <laughs> warm yeah. water. Then, or? Uh, you know, again, it doesn't matter, yep. but warm is nice. <laughs> and yep. then you massage in oil and then you can just splash that um, off, but it doesn't totally, it's not like off, off. But what I really like to do is um, get a warm, a cloth, add warm, like a bit of warm water and then, you know, put that on the face and then squirt, uh, just do a squirt of oil and then you take the cloth and the oil yep. over the face and that really is the gentle exfoliation like that is so mm. gentle you're just using like a sort of a terry a terry cloth or, you know, a classic face cloth is yep. and the oil that's just the right amount of exfoliation for daily use yep. and then um you know and it will lift off dirt or makeup that kind of thing and then you would just uh rinse with a cleaner part of the cloth that doesn't have the oil yep and then you can take one squirt one more squirt and then apply that for your uh, moist, like a moisture. moisture. Yeah. yeah. To create that, that, create that barrier again. So that's sealing the skin again. Is that right? Yeah. And then that mm. will just help keep things, you know, plump and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and the, through that, and you can make it that simple and you can just use jojoba or real, real olive oil. But mm. to that, if you add the essential oils or different extracts, and I like to think of essential oils as botanical biotics. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Then, like then you're really adding like some activation and then you can even target things like with that. Like yeah. you can go, okay, that's a zit. Now I'm just going to apply you know, something right to that zit or to that yep. hyperpigmentation spot. And then you can start really targeting um, skin areas to bring them into balance. Yeah. Beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems so simple. And I think it's going to be a bit of, um, you know, reprogramming for a lot of people. Um, yeah. I, I can speak from experience as such a, it's, you almost notice a difference instantly. You know, I did when I had my, you know, irritated skin, like, Washing with oil seemed like a crazy concept. You know, I had to wipe that programming from from my youth. You know, with these horrific, uh, you know, stripping down your face cleansing products. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, they, you open <laughs> or antibiotics that. for acne. Oh, I know. Well, that's just you know, you get. I can see how people get caught in this this cycle, right? You know. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. It's yeah, it's totally understandable. Yeah, and when you when you have that going on with your skin, I mean, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's you know, I can remember actually being quite shocked. I, one of my my ex partners, her her auntie was a um was a nurse. Really nice people, by the way. So hopefully, I'm not offending anyone. <laughs> but she was talking about her son having bad skin. And I was like, oh, have you looked at um you know you know dairy or gluten? She goes, oh, it's not related to diet, isn't it? Isn't it related to hygiene? And I was thinking, oh my god! Like, try explaining that to a you know young kid um, who's you know obviously self conscious about it. That's probably scrubbing their face three times a day to try and deal yeah. with this. You know, it's a, it's just such a common misconception. Um, yeah, it's so the skin and the guts are so connected. Mm, mm. 
Okay, that, that's it. And then we've got seed. Is that right? The third step? Yeah. So yeah. then seed is like bringing in that beautiful beneficial bacteria into your body and maintaining it because what we understand is, um, I mean, really the, the bacteria that are innately a part of our body really are our beautician. Mm. And that's what's going to prevent blackheads and, and all that kind of stuff. It's mm. not like pop, popping pores and that kind of thing. Like basically a happy biro- microbiome is like is like a beauty, the best beauty cream in a bottle. Like you couldn't even invent that. Yeah. You know, um, when you have that beneficial bacteria and everything's balanced on your skin, it regulates collagen. It improves oxygenization. It improves your innate immune system. The skin is a huge part of your immune system. Yeah, it's like it, outer layer, isn't it, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, your acid mantle is in t- maintained. It regulates your lipids. It maintains the moisture. It helps to heal scars. Um, it helps your sensitivity to the light, to the, I mean sunlight, and it communicates with your hormones and nerves and brains and guts. So that's amazing. Yeah. And then with the study of probiotics and the microbiome, um, we understand that probiotics um, help to rebuild your microbial diversity. Yeah. It boosts your skin's immunity. It strengthens your skin's barrier. It um, helps with your lipid production. It balances your sebaceous glands. It helps collagen synthesis. It alleviates things like eczema, rosacea, psoriasis, dermatitis. So it's really important to do to think about seeding the skin and multiplying your body's microbes by, I like to think of it in terms of like building your bacterial bank account. (laughs) And so you want to adjust, ingest, and apply things like prebiotics and probiotics. So prebiotics are are like the f- they, they feed the probiotics is that right exactly yeah. exactly like the food. <laughs> oligos oligosaccharides that are found like in the breast milk but they're found in things like you know uh, raw collard greens or dandelion root or chicory mm. root those kind of things so they feed the probiotics so it will it will amplify any probiotics that you're you're ingesting mm. and of course you know there's Lots of people trying to figure out, okay, how can we deliver probiotics to the dermis? Yeah. And those are in development, um, but we don't have to wait because you can just open a capsule, mix it with honey, and put that mask on your face. You know, it's like so easy. And there's uh, there's some skincare products by very big commercial product commercial uh, manufacturers Hmm. (laughs) with their usual list of like 50 (laughs) ingredients and then they would have like a a yeast extract or a probiotic in there and and um so they're they're catching on calling it like probiotic technology but oh my god the ingredients surrounding that is is crazy and then i don't you know even the manufacturing of the yeast it's like "Mm," you know what kind of probiotic is it so really you want to just use the ones that you would ingest yeah Anyway, and you can even do that for oral care too. You can swish probiotics in your mouth. You can add probiotics Mm. to oil pulling. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a whole can of worms there. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) I started adding um, like a capsule. I don't know how this goes, but with with my, you know, using the jojoba as like a, you know, the final sort of step, adding a a capsule of, you know, probiotics to that and just um, rubbing that into my face and going to bed at night with, with that on. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that would be quite, a, quite a good idea. anything different? Yeah. No, oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It felt right amazing on. as well. I felt like I was feeding my skin and I woke up in the morning, you know, looking and feeling really, really healthy. So, yeah. Perfect. Oh, that's yeah. great. So, we've got your, your, your three steps, which is stop. Um, stop all the bad stuff. Uh, seal the skin and the gut and then uh, seed with some good probiotics. That's amazing. Now, 
One thing I really want to get into with you, because I know you've got so much knowledge here, is um, is sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so where does sun come into the, the picture here? Because the, the common belief that a lot of people I talk to is that scun, sun is aging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. I have a whole chapter on that in my new book and because uh, oh, yeah. I just, it's such a, an important subject. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> what is it, how, does it, how does it feel? To, how does it feel on a sunny day? How does it feel when you just let that sun touch your face? Mm. If you've been inside for a while, it feels, feels like good. Yeah, it feels so good because it is good. <laughs> it is. It is. And um, it's actually, um, you know, there's uh, so much to go into here. Can of worms. It's so essential, and it actually is really good for our skin. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, it, it, we have to think it's like, it is a relationship, a- everything, right? We really, you know, and like the main thesis of my book is about engaging with the elements to be like our, you know, beauty, like our beauticians, so to speak, to revive uh, the innate beauty in our body. We need mm-hmm. the elements. We need the sun, yep. water, air, and the earth. And that's Beautiful. like the gifts Beautiful. from the earth too. So the botanicals we're going to put on our body and all of that, yeah. that is how we want to think of our beauty, not just something that's applied to us. Yeah. And we're always in engagement. We're in relation to creation. We're in relationship to everything. So we have a relationship with the skin, I mean with the sun. Yep. So what are we bringing to that relationship? Is it a body that's hydrated on Coke and <laughs> eating Mazzola oils? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a problem there. And are all yep. white diets with no pigments? There's yeah. quite a few studies that show eating high pigment foods acts like an internal sunscreen. And we've Mm. got other studies that show like, you know, I've always related uh, our sun time to like a type of photosynthesis. And now studies are showing that it really, really is like a whole chlorophyll thing going on with vitamin D and that to even actually add chlorophyll, you know, if you're in the sun, you're just having chlorophyll water every day and have that while you're in the sun is, is a great benefit. Yeah. So um, we need um, these warm wavelengths of creation. Our blood and hormones and skin yeah. need this for what I like to think of as cosmic pollination. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Without sun like, how do you, where do you get these terms from? They're amazing. They're very poetic. <laughs> I love them. From depths of my brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, which is hopefully hooked up to infinite intelligence. So um, without sunbeams that stimulate our skin, then we're draining our innate immunity and we're losing the lipids that lubricate our skin from within. So, um, you know, at the turn of the century, especially and in ancient, so cultures like ancient Greece, I mean, they they were required, the Olympians were required to sunbathe. They were required to work out outside in the gymnasiums because what they also knew is that sunlight develops muscles. Mm. It's good for the immune system. And then we had like, Oh, everybody was was fine with the sun until literally the dark ages. Um, (laughs) Because a lot that that sun time was really seen as, you know, not Christian. Yeah. And then and then you get. Then there was a good reviving of it or in the 18th eighteenth century, and then right at the turn of the century, um, Niels uh, Feinsen, a doctor, won the Nobel Peace Prize for heliotherapy, which is sun, sun therapy for curing tuberculosis. And then right up until about the 1930s, we had this kind of a heyday for the sun, especially in Europe, where 
um, you know, European naturopaths and spas, they were starting to cure all types of diseases with sunshine. Yeah. Because what also happened at the turn of the century was people started moving from the country to the city. And then we had this city living that was quite different and, and, and a lot of indoor factory work. So people weren't getting outside as much. And then disease like tuberculosis was a pretty big issue back then. Yeah. Uh, but these sunlight diseases still exist. So things like cavities, arthritis, mm. Epstein-Barr virus, um, yep. and there is still tuberculosis, rickets, bone deformation, all of these things because we're not getting enough sun. So in those times, there was even clinics in Lausanne, Switzerland, that Dr. Auguste Rollier really picked up the work of Dr. Niels Feinzen, and they were, you know, curing people of so many things. And um, it was, you can go online if you look up, just Google uh, Roll, Dr. Rollier and like Lausanne, Switzerland, and you can see um, these hospitals that were created with big balconies and verandas and everybody's like out, all the beds are outside. Wow. Um, there's been like skiing or like, yeah, in the snow. Seems like and, quite a contrast yeah. to today, today's hospitals. I know. They're kind of wearing like little diapers because they're just <laughs> exposing their whole body. Like oh. these type of underwear because they're exposing. The hospital? I don't know about the diapers. I know, but, you know. <laughs> no, if you had to go, it looks beautiful. Yeah. And then they have some before and afters of children that came, you know, and they're like kind of a bone deformation. Like they're not right. Mm. They're like twisted a bit. Yeah. And then they also have like big wounds, wounds from things like tuberculosis. Yeah. And then they do like it takes about a year, but they like really start slowly, which is how we should start too if it's been a while, like five yeah. minutes. For yeah. a few days, then ten minutes, and then building it yeah. up, yeah. and then you see the before and afters, and these children are like plumper, tanned, st their spines are straight. Yeah, it's so beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, but it's also it is anti aging, and it doesn't. It's not the sun that's causing the hyperpigmentation. It's our diets, mm. and there was even doctor that had you know that you can. I have quotes. They're recommending it for acne, for plumping up the skin from taking away that sort of hollowness and the wrinkles. So we really hmm. are, you know, and then we're spraying on tans. Yeah. Pumping our faces with fillers. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I also think about, okay, like our, our relationship with the sun currently is to, we've got a saying over here, it's slip, slop, and slap, you know. Yeah. You know, coat your body in sunblock, chuck your, your hat on, your glasses on, and wear clothes to protect yourself from the sun, and then go and sit in the sun. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, that is funny. And then definitely, and then there's a ton of studies on sunscreens, and hopefully that yeah. information's out there now. But Some your of those sun ingredients, are quite your sun. Horrific. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. But your DNA, you don't want to get burned, and you don't want repeated no. burns. No. But if you do get burned, your DNA, your body, your cells can handle that really quite well, and they they transform like 99% of the heat, and they deal with it. But what your body can't deal well with is like six hours in the sun with sunblock. Yeah. And then yeah. the other issue why the sunscreens are problematic besides the chemicals with things like oxybenzene, which is non-carcinogenic until it's exposed to sunlight, mm. wow. which is the one of the main active ingredients. I believe that's been banned in Europe, but it's still pretty happening on most of the sunscreens worldwide. Mm. Um, and... So you definitely want to engage with the sun wisely. Um, but one of the issues with sunscreen is that, and again, so there's, you know, we all know there's wavelengths and the rays of the sun. Yeah. And we don't even know to this day all of the wavelengths. Yeah, we it seems UVA and UVB seem to be the popular ones that are recognized. Yeah, and right? there's yeah. 
There's gamma rays and UV C, I believe, that kind of thing. But the main thing with sunscreen is that it divides UVA and UVB. So it separates it. So UVB is thought to be the vitamin D creator. Yep. The sunscreen separates them out so that you're getting the UVA but not the UVB. So you're not getting any vitamin D production. And it also seems that UVA without UVB is when sun becomes, uh, I guess, more toxic, but I don't think that's the word, but that's, that's that's the issues show up that we don't want. So if you, you know, if you sat in front of like direct sunlight window with six, like, so you're in front of the Mm. window and the sunlight like in a car let's say always the same side you got one you know traffic that you're always in for that one out that that's going to make that arm like if the sun's hitting through the window all the time like a lot yeah that will make that could make like age spots and stuff because the uva on its own can be skin damaging and so that's like all your sun blocks i um use what we have, I make two kinds, like one's just a, like a tanning oil. Everybody loves sunshine. And then we make one with zinc. And so we use zinc because it, it does block. So you either have tanning oil or block, but we don't have anything really in between. Yeah. Um, but the block, zinc um, reflects the rays. So yeah. then the rays bounce off of you and it doesn't divide the rays. So that's why it's useful as a block. Okay. And you, okay. you definitely want to bring wisdom and you got to build up a tan you know, yep. you've got to get the melanin going. So, but the melanin yep. helps us. And it and it's needed more than just vitamin D from a bottle because yeah. vitamin D is fat soluble, like in a bottle. Yep. Yep. But the sun and skin relationship creates water soluble vitamin D. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. So you can't just take vitamin D. I mean, you can, yep. but. You, <laughs> it won't be effective. You know, oh, wow. Well, you need, it is essential. And I definitely recommend the D mm. for, I mean, we need to take it in the winter in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, well, same same here actually in New Zealand. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, that, that's fascinating. That is really fascinating. I feel like we could keep talking about this. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things that come up there just really quickly is um, these ratios seem to be you know this just seems to be a common theme with people I interview, and you know I can you can apply that same thing to you know when you separate out vitamin A and D in food as well. You know, one without mm-hmm. the other seems to be quite toxic. And, you know, omega-3 to 6 ratio seems to be, yeah. you know, really key. And oh, that's, just, that's, that's really fascinating. So in, in summary, with the sun, gradually increase yourself, uh, increase your exposure. Try not to get burnt. Um, try not to get uh, the UVA without the B or, or vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. And make sure you're having some of those um, so those activators as well in your diet. Um, is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's the way for I sure. It. Yeah, and eat pigment-rich foods. Pigment, that's one. Yeah, and then all all the plant oils, um, like the fatty ones, they they offer some protection to the plant, mm. so they are quite useful. Um, so, but again, like SPF, sun protection factor, is yeah. only a terminology that can be used on synthetic ingredients. Yeah. So we can make correlations, yeah. but it really is a system that's not about plants at all. Yeah. But there's a feeling you get. So um, like coconut oil, olive oil, jojoba, they all seem like a six, seven, eight. You will be able to stay in the sun longer with those. If you start adding in some pigmented ones, like sea buckthorn, it's like even better. But where these oils also come in is to help heal the skin from those things. And there have been studies done on red raspberry seed oil. 
mm. which seems to help scatter quite a few of the UVs. And it, it, it seemed in the study that it was equivalent to like a 25. Wow. However, yeah, so it's a beautiful oil. It's in oh, our sun stuff heard of it. as well. It's fascinating, yeah. But still, like really it all depends on your skin, yeah. Yeah. Uh, your geographical location, yeah. Yeah. the weather and the time of day. So yeah. you can't just go, oh, okay, now I'm going to put yeah. on red raspberry seed oil <laughs> and I'm going to stay in the sun for six yeah. hours. Yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, that's fascinating, and it's it's really interesting. Once again, um, you look at some of these, you know, these tropical uh, fruits and nuts, and the, um, they seem to be, you know, available in really warm climates where there is going to be a lot of sun exposure. So yeah. it kind of makes a lot of logical sense to me that that these things are protective, or um, they help you get the best of the sun as well. Yeah, the whole buzz from a desert plant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fascinating. Oh my God, I've got so much more I want to ask you, but I'm going to have to round out soon because we're coming up uh, to time. <laughs> um, so much wisdom there. Um, so many little gold nuggets that I'll have to uh, summarize for the, for the listeners. Um, I do have uh, one final question, and that is, um, if you could pass on one piece of information or knowledge or even a question uh, to every single person on the planet, if you're going to inject everyone with this knowledge, what would that be? Um, I think, you know, what makes the sunrise, trees grow, flowers grow, the, you know, the sun come up in the morning, the sun set during the, during the night, that is what you want to tune into. That is a stream of well-being that we all come from. You know, we're not separate from nature. We're not separate from the elements. And in these times... Well, any time, but these times, of course, that we're alive in, it's, you know, it may seem like there's a lot of not well-being going on, you know, from the chemicals to mm. the weirdness out there with food and everything like that. It's disconnection. But, yeah. yeah, but it's the stream of well-being. It's the innate intelligence. It's the innate beauty and the innate intelligence of our bodies and the innate intelligence of this whole cosmos. Mm. We are of that. We are totally of that and we want to tune into that stream of well-being and breathe with that meditate on that let that infuse your life that was beautiful that was amazing thank you so much thank you now um steep yourself in that listeners that that's a really (laughs) deep wisdom and thank you for sharing that again now what are you working on now nadine and where can people find you yeah, well, I'm happy that my manuscript is in for my book, so look for that in the uh, in the fall because I think if you did enjoy this, um, all of this is in there and more. And um, always, we have beautiful new creations and always lots of excitement going on um, with our our Living Libations creations. So we have our website, livinglibations.com. Uh, you can uh, tune into uh, my Instagram feed where. With lots of beautiful pictures of uh, of our land and where oh we live. Oh my god, that look! Your land looks glorious. <laughs> it truly is. <laughs> I'm like, heaven. yeah, it's easy for me to think good nature thoughts because yeah. we're just surrounded in in so much beauty. You know, we wow. look out on this beautiful spring-fed lake 
the sun rises in front of our windows every day and sunsets at the back windows. So it's really beautiful. And um, I just feel like of all the social media channels, like that's the one I do. And that's mm-hmm. where you can find me. And of course, we have the Living Libations uh, YouTube channel and Facebook. And um, yeah. there's I'll, always stuff going on. I'll post links to all of this, uh, listeners, so um, you'll be able to find it easily. But yeah, in terms of your Instagram feed, I almost go, I go to your, your, your page sometimes just for a bit of tranquility. Oh, um, nice. There's so much intensity uh, on social media now and it's actually, it's kind of a nice uh, uh, Totally. That's, that's actually amazing. why I love Instagram too. It's just way quieter over there. Just, <laughs> oh, and also, and we didn't talk about it, but, uh, you know, maybe I can come back and we can talk about that. Uh, but oral care, I have a book and it's like on every Amazon, it's in four languages and it's holistic dental care. I would love that. Yeah, let's get, let's get Nadine back. <laughs> I feel like we can talk a lot more about the sun and definitely with the uh, the oral care. I'd love that. For sure. Um, thanks again, Nadine. That was uh, that was incredible. Thank you for coming on. And I would like to get you back at some stage, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions um, as a result of this. There's going to be a few paradigm shifts happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in again. Uh, please head along to the website, um, www.bestme.co.nz also on the wellness couch so that's the well, uh, wellnesscouch.com and you can also find us on iTunes and that is best me you can google search uh, sorry iTunes search best me one word it's also called best me radio um, which I'll post a link to as well so thanks Nadine and thank you listeners and we'll see you again soon thank you This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.